Once again, my name is Natalie Cole from the marketing team at Dickerson Insurance Services. We're very happy you could join us for today's webinar titled Telemedicine and Virtual Care Benefits. Next slide, please, Steve. Dave, can we have the next slide, please? Thank you. Um, for this is a continuing edu education course. There's a couple of reminders to go through. Number one, this is a course. This course number is three eight five five zero nine, which has been approved by the California Department of Insurance for one hour of CE credit for licensed and health producers, licensed life and health producers. Online CE webinars are asked to conduct a series of polling questions during the presentation. Participants are required to answer all of the questions to receive full credit. The, um, it is also, just for the record, it is also important to be sure that you are on a desktop computer where you can actually submit your answers. If you have questions as the material is presented, please type them in the chat box and all the questions will be answered at the end of this presentation. Copies of both the slide deck and the full audio visual presentation are available via download link provided by myself, Natalie Cole. It will come directly from me, so keep an eye on that in the next couple of days. The participant roster will be filled with the California Department of Insurance within 48 hours after completion of the presentation, which is exactly why we collected everyone's um, license number. So if you have not submitted your license number with registration, once again, also please definitely give me, um, shout, um, send me an email. Um, and my email address is natalie, N-A-T-A-L-I-E-C, at dickerson-group.com. And of course, this presentation is co-sponsored by Healthiest You by Teladoc, who will present a brief sponsor message before the last polling question. Now, I would like to turn the reins over to Sandra Barr. Thank you so much, Natalie. I really appreciate uh, uh, all of your information and the instructions that you provided for us today. Uh, as uh, I am Sandra Barr, I am currently president of the Desert Cities uh, Association of Health Underwriters of which I'm happy to be able to present this uh, presentation uh, with uh, Dickerson as our sponsor. And Dave Fear uh, Sr., he's been a longtime member of NAHU, and I know every single one of you know him who's on this uh, CE course uh, today. Welcome, all of you, and I'm grateful for your attendance here. So I am now going to Turn it over over to Dave. He needs no more introductions since we all know him. Thank you, Dave. Take it away. Good morning, everyone. It's uh, nice to uh, be with you again. I, I wish I were down there in person. I was actually uh, down in your uh, area of the state uh, during Thanksgiving holiday last year and had a wonderful time in my motorhome and and uh, look forward to coming down there again in the future for, for real. <laughs> Um, well, thank you. Um, so today, uh, our presentation uh, is on telehealth and uh, some things that you'll want to know about it. And so I, I will uh, move through things fairly quickly, but I think you'll find some interesting information here that uh, you may want to share with uh, many of your clients. Um, we've got four different parts that we'll be dealing with today. First, uh, part one is the expansion of telehealth services and the impact of COVID-19. The second part is um, uh, the employer and employee acceptance of tele telehealth and virtual care with some uh, new um, 
uh, survey data that has come through. Uh, the third part will be discussing the difference between standalone and bundled programs. And then the fourth part will be a kind of a summary conclusion and answer your questions and answers. So uh, let's, get, uh, let's get moving along. First off, um, a lot of people um, say you ought to start off with a definition of what telemedicine and telehealth is. So in a very broad sense, uh, it's, it's any service or method that uses technology to allow doctors and patients to interact uh, one with another without needing to physically be in the same location. Now that's pretty, that's pretty logical. Um, it's interesting that with the development of telemedicine or telehealth, um, we've seen a number of really uh, interesting things happen just in the last two years of, of how this uh, whole process has grown and, and improved, um, especially in the eyes of consumers who are, you know, need uh, uh, to, to, to be able to reach out to the medical community and receive services. Um, so that evolution, um, you know, as you can imagine, began more with telephonic consultations and, and has now moved into the virtual world. And beyond a, a simple, simple medical uh, advice, it's moved into a much larger array of services that include uh, things, you know, specialty care, such as uh, behavioral care, dermatology, believe it or not, back and neck, and a lot of uh, wellness and nutrition has, has now been moved into the, uh, the virtual uh, world. Um, modern employee benefit plans now routinely include telehealth in almost all of the insured and the self-funded plans that, uh, that we, we deal with uh, throughout the country because uh, they're seeing a reduced cost of services. It's, it's less expensive to uh, access services through a telehealth or virtual care um, or arrangement. Um, it's promoting better access to providers uh, who can see more patients uh, and at the same time, more patients can see more providers. And it's uh, also contributed to uh, a reduction of absenteeism, which has been a, a problem in our, in our country when, when people get sick and they're, and they're not able to uh, uh, get you know, the medical care they need, uh, they stay absent from work longer. And this has helped uh, reduce that number. Um, I will tell you that based on the survey data that I'll show you in a minute, there is a, a growing uh, plurality of providers who are now uh, access, uh, accessible via virtual care. So um, let's talk a little bit about uh, how telehealth and, and things uh, uh, were impacted by uh, COVID-19. Uh, last July, of, uh, July of, of 2021, the McKinsey and Company were uh, hired by uh, the virtual care, the telehealth industry, to uh, look at uh, data involving uh, what what happened um, in in telehealth claim volume during the pandemic. And what you'll see here is is that uh, these were the number of claims uh, in the in the uh, in the uh, the, the, the ten thousands that uh, were incurred and and as you know uh, this this whole uh, covid-19 thing began in in february of 2020 and uh, yeah 2020 and then really picked up in march and of course um, uh, you know continues today but as you can see right in the in the first 3 months uh, after the uh, the great lockdown 
uh, telehealth claim volumes is just skyrocketed. I, I mean, they they were eight nine times what they had been prior to the uh, the COVID nineteen. Uh, they've since dropped uh, by by June of, of mid year, uh, by June of uh, 2020. Uh, they had dropped and have kind of leveled out so that uh, now what you see is between uh, uh, 30,000 and 40,000 uh, claims per month uh, via telehealth, which is, of course, uh, you know, uh, three or four times what they had been prior to COVID. So that's uh, an indication that it's definitely taken off and it's definitely being used. Um, then they looked at these claims by a a percentage by specialty, and they found that that without any question, psychiatric claims accounted for uh, 50,000 of the claims uh, that um, you know that were being um, run through the telehealth system, with a second place by a substance abuse disorder. So those two things alone, I think, uh, made people really think about. I have, I've I've now got access to providers via virtual care or telehealth that um, in, instead of having to make an appointment and fight the traffic and go see a person, uh, it's a lot easier to get that service done, uh, especially nervous and mental and, and substance abuse uh, uh, claims. So that's been, uh, that's been uh, quite uh, an interesting uh, figure. Um, the telehealth attitudes have definitely changed. The survey of com consumers uh, generated these responses prior to COVID, about 11% were using some form of telehealth or virtual care. Since COVID, as I showed you earlier, about 40% reported that they'll uh, continue to use telehealth and virtual care going, uh, going forward. 50% uh, of the survey uh, folks uh, expressed an interest in a, in a broader virtual health uh, solutions. In other words, more things that, that could be uh, uh, achieved or, or treated for via telehealth if possible. And uh, naturally 60% express an interest in a lower cost uh, virtual first health plan. And we've now seen a number of different health plans that have changed their uh, schedule of benefits to say that, you know, if you're, um, if, if you would normally pay say $40 or $20 for an office visit, uh, if you do this via telehealth uh, or virtual care, uh, the copayment is either waived or it's half of, of what it was before. And so uh, people like that, they, they feel like, you know, it's a more cost efficient way to uh, get their, their health care. They also surveyed physicians, and I thought this was really interesting information. So, so you might want to pay attention to this. 58% of physicians continue to view telehealth more favorably than they did prior to COVID. Um, that might be because they like the fact that they don't have to have sick patients come into their office and, and make other people sick. Uh, so that's a, a safer way to practice medicine. I don't know. But 84% of physicians now offer virtual care visits and 57% will continue to offer virtual care uh, after COVID. I thought that was a very uh, interesting number. However, the bottom line is 54% would not offer virtual care at a 15% discount to in-person care. They, they asked if they would you know, offer any sort of a discount and if so, how much of a discount and 54% of the respondents said that they would not offer virtual care uh, for, for, 
you know, a 15% discount to in-person care. So they, they like the idea that they can see more people, but um, I'm not sure that they're crazy about the fact that they would, you know, reduce their fees, but that's, you know, a discussion for another day, I think. Um, let's talk just quickly about regulation of telehealth. You know, we live in the United States and, and especially here in California, uh, regulation is something that we all have to uh, get used to because the government loves to regulate uh, <laughs> both the insurance industry and the healthcare industry. So there have been some regulatory changes that have enabled a greater telehealth access during COVID. Uh, one thing in particular is that CMS, the Centers for, for Medicaid and Medicare Studies, uh, began to allow telehealth for some current uh, procedural uh, terminology, CPT codes, as being permanent. In other words, if you're, if you're being treated for you know, this CPT code, uh, we will allow telehealth uh, to be used for this on a permanent basis. Um, uh, CMS also allowed telehealth for other CPT codes as a temporary measure through the public health emergency. For example, Medicare beneficiaries not living in, in rural areas. Um, I know that I was just back in Washington, D.C. a few weeks ago, and, and uh, uh, Congress is being asked to make this uh, permanent, and, and I think that makes a lot of sense. So we'll see if that uh, changes. Several states have opened up telehealth services to their Medicaid patients, and California was one of the first to do that, especially in, in rural areas of the state. Uh, and that's, uh, that, I think that's a good sign. And then a handful of states are actively regulating the telehealth separately from normal healthcare regulation. So uh, again, here in California, while the doctors and, and the hospitals are regulated by, by different um, uh, means uh, in, in California, uh, telehealth um, has been compiled into that as part of that, but yet other states uh, have set up separate regulatory uh, agencies to regulate um, uh, telehealth and virtual care programs. So, uh, you know, this being the United States, you'll have 50 different sets of, of rules before it's over. Um, and then finally, um, with regard to this, I thought it was interesting to look at uh, telehealth investor activity. Um, venture capital investment in virtual care continues to accelerate. In 2019, uh, venture capital uh, generated uh, $7.7 billion of investment into this industry. And in 2020, that investment doubled to, to $14.7 billion. Um, in 2021, and this, this survey uh, took the first six months of 2021, that investment uh, for 2021, uh, six months, was up to 14.7 billion. So it, it's easily doubled each year uh, for the last three years that uh, telehealth has really been operating at a breakneck pace. The earnings for virtual health uh, also rose in the last two years the 2019-2020 earnings was about $3 billion, and those earnings almost doubled uh, to $5.5 billion in the next um, fiscal year. So the, uh, the investor activity has been uh, very uh, high, and the earnings have, have steadily uh, risen as well. And you can see from this, this chart here that um, 
that that information indicates that it's it's not it's not going to go away. So here's our first polling question, and uh, we'd like you to respond to this within 60 seconds so we can uh, uh, move move on. Uh, Natalie has opened the poll, and I'll let you ask the question, Natalie. All right. Um, the effect of the COVID-19 pandemic was negligible on the telehealth slash virtual care industry. True or false? And we usually like to give one minute to, for each polling question and also gentle reminder, CE credits only go to those who answer all four polling questions. And this is one of the four. And we are about 30 seconds in. So we're giving about 30 more seconds. I'm trying to get to like an 80% voted and we're almost there. But yes, I do need everyone to participate if we are to get CE credits. Um, re remember to uh, do your answer uh, online, uh, not in the chat bar, but uh, on the online um, uh, window that uh, Natalie has, has pushed out there. So it'll record your 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 answer that way. Yes, and also um, this is also really important. If there's any issues for, because we all know technology can be unreliable at the most horrible times please, please, please send me an email and um, don't forget to write down your answer. That's also very important. And we can go ahead and see if we can make an exception. But if we don't have communication, then unfortunately we cannot do that. But yes, it looks like we have a 91% voted. So I'm gonna go ahead and close the poll. No, wait a minute, wait a minute, please. This is Sandra Barr. Uh, it appears that I cannot click into the radio dial. There's go ahead, and Sandra, and go ahead, Sandra, and, and go ahead and put it in the, the chat bar then. Okay. The chat box. Yeah. I will do that. And, and, Natalie, and Natalie will record that. We're, yes, we're easy to work with. <laughs> we really are. But yes, like Sandra said, if there's any issues that the system is unable to let you submit your answer, please go ahead and reach out to me, and I would definitely. Um, be as accommodating as I possibly can, but yes, I don't know if you need help if you don't tell me. All right, uh, okay. looks like we've got those answers there. Yes. So, so the answer the answer is as as most of you can tell, uh, false. Uh, it the effect of COVID nineteen pandemic was very very apparent in this uh, in this industry. So that that was. Uh, that was a false statement that it was negligible. Okay, thanks. All right, let's uh, let's move ahead here. So, um, who are the top ten players in this market today? And and uh, I'm not doing a commercial for anybody, but but I thought it made a lot of sense to say if if you're gonna if you're gonna look at telehealth and you're gonna you know look at at this as a viable uh, benefit for your clients, then uh, who are the big players? And as you can see here, and I'm not going to go through these in in a in a lot of detail uh, for time's sake, but I will tell you that uh, Teladoc and and me MeMD, iClinic, and Amwell and MD Live are the uh, I think the big five. Uh, Doctors on Demand uh, has really pushed up and and become uh, very popular in the last six months for for whatever reason. Um, but uh, Live Health Online, Virtual Well, Plush Care, and HealthTap. And they all have different types of uh, specialties or types of services offered. 
most of them uh, offer access through not just video chat and phone, but also uh, um, uh, text, and, and some will do um, uh, a web access uh, portal as well. Uh, the cost will will vary by uh, the insurance and and where the uh, the program is being provided through. But but these are the top ten players in the market. There are some other players that have come out, and and I I bring these up because uh, they are catering to uh, specialty types of things. Maven Clinic specializes in women's health, Follix uh, 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 Health, LGBTQ Health, uh, Steady MD was a uh, set up to promote primary care services, uh, better help for uh, individuals, couples, teen counseling, therapy, psychiatric, and Cure Health, uh, which uh, uh, primarily is dealing just with uh, non-urgent medical issues uh, and, and operates just strictly through a, a text uh, uh, approach, uh, very inexpensive. So as you can see, there's, there's a lot of different players and, and uh, choices in the market. Um, the JD Power uh, conducts uh, rankings of various things besides automobiles, and they did a ranking of telehealth programs, um, uh, and, and they did it two ways. They first off rank the uh, the programs that are direct; they deal with the consumers uh, directly, uh, as opposed to uh, the programs that are offered through a health plan. In the direct to consumers brand. Um, uh, Teladoc came in at number one with a ranking of 870 out of 1,000. Doctors on Demand, uh, number two at 867, and MD Live at 847. This was done in uh, uh, July of uh, 2021. Uh, during that same period, uh, they um, asked for people who had their um, telehealth through their health plan, and Humana uh, came in at number one at 864 ranking. Kaiser uh, Foundation at age 63 and Cigna at age 62. And I would have to say that I think both uh, that all three of these, uh, Humana, Kaiser and Cigna, probably were pioneers early on of, of offering uh, telehealth uh, benefits to their, their members. So I think they had a, a pretty good start over the competition. So uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, employer and employee acceptance of the telehealth virtual care um, program. As you know, um, we have through the employer, uh, the Affordable Care Act, an employer mandate um, that requires that a large employer, applicable large employer, has to offer affordable coverage to all full-time employees. And the coverage that they offer must meet the minimum value standard. And if you've been doing this business for a while, you're all familiar with this. Um, as you probably know, for most employers, coverage that meets the minimum value standard is usually a, what I would call a bronze plan that has an actuarial value of at least 60%. We, we see you know, silver and gold and platinum plans, but the bronze plan is recognized uh, as the minimum benefit that you can offer to be um, uh, in, in line with the uh, uh, employer uh, employer mandate. So um, that being said, these plans, these bronze plans have very high deductibles and even higher maximum out-of-pocket limits with little or no first dollar benefits. So what a, a lot of employers will do is they'll purchase this coverage to comply with the mandate and then offer either an employer paid or a voluntary supplemental benefit to reduce the maximum out-of-pocket exposure to their employees. Again, this is 
something that a lot of people, a lot of you probably already know. Um, so let me just quickly show you some cost considerations that employers are dealing with. This is a, a simple example of an employer that has 27 employees and 11 dependents. So they're not considered uh, an applicable large employer under the law, but they're still uh, an employer offering um, ACA certified coverage. And, and the cost of a, offering a gold plan to their employees costs about $321,000 a year to the employees and the dependents. Um, the cost of a silver plan with a higher deductible uh, brings that cost down to about $254,000 or saves the employer about $67,000 a year. And putting in a bronze plan uh, saves them even more money at, at $192,744,000, which is $128,000 savings over a gold plan. Now, of course, you know, there's a huge benefit difference between a gold and a bronze plan. So what employers will do is they'll say, you know, I, I'd like to reduce my cost by going to a, a silver or a bronze plan, but I would offer my people a, a supplement or something to help pay their out-of-pocket expenses. So uh, what we've seen is that um, telehealth or uh, virtual care is now considered an option for many uh, employers to supplement their medical coverage. So the employers will they'll offer a minimum value plan that will, um, you know, coverage and, and that coverage will be supplemented through a combination of, of one of several things. Some of them will offer their people a health savings account and fund it or not fund it. Uh, they will offer them the option to purchase a gap coverage, which I'm sure many of you know what that, that, that is. Uh, others will offer an HRA, a health reimbursement arrangement, which is funded by the employer and, and can uh, make up a lot of the out-of-pocket difference uh, through that. And then others are starting to look at a telehealth or virtual care benefit, the cost of which could be paid uh, by both the employer and the employee. And it's a fraction of the cost of, of the above uh, issues. So here's an example for this same group of what they're supplemental benefit options were. Uh, the employer said, if I, if I were to uh, fund a, a health savings account for my people, uh, I would contribute $200 a month for the employee-only coverage and $300 a month for employee with dependent coverage. That would cost me a total of $84,000 a year, um, which um, would, would, would result in some savings compared to a gold plan, and that's, that's good. Um, the, uh, the second option was to buy an insured uh, gap plan that provided up to a $5,000 uh, insurance benefit to make up for their out-of-pocket expenses. Uh, the total annual cost of that plan, $66,900. Again, some substantial savings there. Um, uh, the, the, another option was the employer decided to offer an HRA, paid 100% of of an HRA benefit of 2,500 for a single or 5,000 for a family, and their their claims cost on that was actuarially determined to be about $68,000 a year. And then finally, the employer was shown offering a supplemental benefit of with virtual care and enhanced benefits. The employer paid 100% of that, and would combine that with the high deductible plan that they would would offer. And the cost of that was about $22,800 a year. It wasn't a perfect arrangement, but it provided 
his people with some first dollar benefits when they used virtual care. And uh, for that reason, you, you saw um, a lot of interest on the part of employers who are really counting their, their, uh, their pinching their pennies here to keep their costs down. So those, uh, that, that's an area where the, the virtual care has made some inroads is acting as a supplement. Um, what we see in, in today's telehealth and virtual care um, uh, programs are what we call enhanced benefits. Uh, several of the plans now feature what we call a price transparency tool, which frankly is a really good idea uh, that members can use to shop for services and compare costs. You know, they put in some information. I need to, I need to have, uh, um, you know, lab and x-ray done, or I need to have this done. And so they'll put information into the system and it will tell them uh, where those services can be um, uh, obtained and uh, how they can, uh, where they can obtain them and, and how much they'll cost. So they, they have the ability to shop around for um, surgical procedures and hospital stays, things like that. Uh, other plans uh, feature what we call member alerts regarding uh, uh, needed services, prescription drug issues, and preventive care service reminders, kind of a friendly nudge to say, hey, do you remember it's, it's time for your six month uh, um, checkup or your annual uh, checkup or uh, time to have your prescription drug uh, um, uh, uh, refilled, uh, that, that kind of thing. Uh, some plans feature what we call provider assistance tools to locate specialists both in and out of uh, high deductible health plan provider networks. And uh, we could do a, just a, a separate CE on that. It's, it's a very interesting and, and growing area. These provider assistance tools can, can be very helpful in finding the right provider and at, the, at what I call the right price. And then um, some, some plans now allow you to build from a core medical benefit and then add some of these additional enhancements, including psychiatric, counseling, wellness, smoking cessation, and diet and nutrition. You know, we've heard for years about companies putting in wellness plans and the return on investment of these wellness plans is definitely um, long-term. It's, it's not necessarily uh, short-term and it doesn't necessarily appeal to people uh, you know, it appeals to people that are already on a wellness kick, but it doesn't necessarily get uh, new people into a wellness program as much as they'd like. So some of these virtual care programs help lead people down a, a wellness path by helping them with their diet, with exercise and, and things and, and make things a, a little bit more customized for their needs. So these are things that the telehealth virtual care industry are coming out with, and I think they're well appreciated. Um, so here are the top five reasons that employers are considering a telehealth virtual care program. First, uh, they want to see better access. They better access to urgent care, primary care, specialty care, prescription uh, be, the ability to have uh, scripts uh, written by a, a physician without the cost of an office visit, things like that. Uh, they 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 believe that it's more cost effective compared to uh, going uh, office visits or going to an urgent care center or the emergency room, it certainly is. Although telehealth is not uh, considered to be a substitute for uh, uh, urgent care or emergency room, but in some cases uh, going to telehealth first to determine is this really a, a serious or urgent care or emergency issue. 
Uh, it eliminates travel time and waiting time for appointments. Uh, it's convenient. They, they cite that you, know, you can get this care, it's provided at home, work, or when you're traveling and it's available 24 hours, 24-7. Uh, millennials are, are meeting this, you know, demanding this kind of stuff. They're, they're more savvy, they're more sophisticated, and they're very non-traditional over what we've seen in the, in the past 50 years for benefits. So millennials are saying, yeah, I, I, I like a virtual care deal. It, it meets my needs. And then, as I mentioned earlier, their employers are saying we, we're seeing a reduced absenteeism, taking time off of work to visit a healthcare facility or a pharmacy. Uh, is um, is certainly uh, an improved benefit there. Um, let's go to polling question number two. And uh, uh, this question, uh, she'll and she'll open this up here in a second. Uh, the Affordable Care Act uh, imposes an employer shared responsibility mandate on which on which of these employers in the United States is the mandate applicable to small employers? with less than 50 full-time workers? Is it applicable to large employers with 50 or more full-time workers? Is it applicable now to all employers regardless of their number of workers? Or is it none of the above because the employer mandate was revoked in 2020? And this is where we should be playing our Jeopardy uh, waiting music, right, Natalie? Da -da 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 -da. Okay, so Go ahead and answer those questions, or uh, answer the question, and and let's uh, poll uh, and see how we're doing. Yes, um, we're gonna make we're gonna leave it open for about thirty more seconds. Remember, it's very important to answer the poll question to get CE credit. <clears throat> and while we're waiting, I'm gonna I'm gonna wet wet my whistle here, and I'll be yes. and I'll be right I'll be right back. Perfect. All right, okay. how are we doing? Um, the results are 67% voted large employers with 50 or more time-full workers. Very good. You guys are good. Proud of you. Okay, let's uh, let's keep moving along here. Thank you very much. All right, so uh, now I want to discuss uh, an, an issue that comes up all the time when we have this discussion about standalone versus bundled programs. So a bundled telehealth virtual care program is, is one that is bundled with the medical plan that somebody is enrolled in. So uh, as I said earlier, nearly all the carriers today now feature some sort of a telemedicine or telehealth benefit. Uh, some of the carriers developed it internally. Uh, others will have contracted with external um, entities uh, to provide their uh, telehealth uh, benefit um, to their members. Uh, 
uh, prior to COVID, uh, the majority of plans offered no benefit incentive for telehealth. In other words, uh, like a reduced copayment. But post-COVID, some carriers are now offering incentives to use telehealth first by having, as I said before, lower copayments or maybe a lower premium rate for the plan that they're buying. Um, nearly all of these uh, carriers still require some sort of a copayment of $20 to $50 for telehealth virtual visits. Um, and the cost of that service is built into the premium or the uh, ASO fee charges that that provider uh, does. And as you can see here, the names of uh, carriers that, uh, that uh, are, are prominent in the market, they offer uh, telehealth uh, benefits. And uh, the three that are outlined in, in uh, gold or yellow, uh, Cigna, Humana, and Kaiser, are all, as I said before, ranked in the top three by J.D. Power and Associates. Their, their programs are very well accepted by the members. When we talk about unbundled telehealth and virtual care, uh, we also refer to this as a standalone because it's offered separately from the health plan. It can be considered a supplemental benefit to many PPO or indemnity health plans. I will tell you that I, I'm not sure that these uh, programs integrate very well with many HMO plans, especially uh, closed panel plans who may or may not have developed their own uh, version of telehealth or virtual care uh, anyway. Uh, but the benefits of an unbundled plan has to be looked at from the perspective of both the employer and the employee because they'll, they'll each have a, a different take on, you know, what really works best for me. Uh, the bundled plan might, might have a a higher copayment that they have to meet, whereas the unbundled plan might have a zero copayment. We've seen some of those. So that can be somewhat attractive, but it can also cost more money than uh, one that's bundled in with their uh, normal insurance. The cost of this service is separate and it's distinct from the cost of the health plan. And again, as I showed you earlier, these are the, uh, the top uh, 10 um, uh, telehealth virtual care companies in the United States, and and three of them, um, uh, Doctors on Demand, MD Live, and Teladoc, are are ranked in the top three by JD Power and Associates. Um, when you when you have an unbundled plan, uh, the employer's uh, benefits uh, from this uh, in in ways that I, I don't think were very apparent previously. Uh, first, there's the issue of usage. The value of, of virtual care can only be realized if employees take advantage of it. Many successful standalone programs, they feature what we call an, an engagement engine, which results in uh, program uh, better, higher utilization of the program. Additionally, most standalone programs provide employers with utilization data that they may not receive from a bundled program. And, and we all know about this in California because if you're a small employer, you don't get any claims experience from your carrier in California. Whereas um, if you have an unbundled virtual care program, they generally are going to provide the employer with um, utilization data. Um, the second issue is, is the redirection of claims. Claims that normally are charged to the group health plan are now directed to the standalone provider at a lower PEPM cost. And this is a form of uh, provider capitation that helps contain uh, costs. And 
and uh, employers are saying, especially the ones that are saying, "Look, I, uh, uh, you know, I've got this goal plan, and if they if they use that plan, um, they they go to an unbundled arrangement, and they don't use this plan over here, and I'm being experience rated. I'm say a large employer, I'm going to see less claims paid on my by my health plan, and that's going to help my uh, renewals to be better than than they were in the past." Um, another issue that employer benefits looked at is the reach. Uh, all employees can be covered under a standalone solution, not just those enrolled in the group medical plan. The more of the covered employees, the more impact on productivity and absenteeism. Uh, let me give you a really good example of this. We, we do a lot of business up here in Northern California with uh, agricultural firms. And over the last uh, several years, um, these farms and, and vineyard management companies and all, they've been at offering their people uh, health insurance to meet the employer mandate, and a high percentage of, of workers uh, opt out. They don't want to pay for it. They, they, they opt out. Um, what some employers are now doing is saying, look, I'm going to enroll you in, a, in a, uh, this virtual care telehealth at no charge to you. I'm going to provide that. And um, uh, you know, even though you're not enrolled in our group health plan, this will provide some some basic assistance, especially the ability to get a, a prescription drug, um, um, you know, script written, uh, and that will help your, you know, you won't miss work as much work, and and uh, we won't have the absenteeism that uh, we have when you get sick. So that has been a positive thing. And then, as I said before. Uh, there's an offset of cost. Medical insurance premium rates continue to rise, uh, and have, offering a free standalone telehealth solution reduces the hardship of rising premiums for employees. And as I said before, if, if those telehealth plans can divert some of the claims to the telehealth provider as opposed to the, the, the regular healthcare provider, it lowers claim costs, and that, that has a, an impact on renewal rates in the, in the large group market. Unbundling, as far as an employee uh, employee uh, sees it, or the benefits for an employee, are these. Uh, first off, they report a the members have a better experience. They're reporting in, in surveys that working with a telehealth team that's focused on an engagement strategy in the member journey. So they they feel like they're being paid attention to. Um, you know, they're talking to a doctor for more than five minutes in their office, and and people are are helping them. Deal with uh, uh, you know healthcare issues that they they sometimes just don't feel like they're getting from a, a regular doctor. There's a cost savings here. M many of these standalone programs feature a zero or very low copayment for services, thus impacting what an employee's share of the cost of services would be, rather than paying a deductible or a large copayment or coinsurance charge. So that that has an impact there. Hey, I have a choice between going to the doctor's office and spending forty bucks or making a phone call or having a virtual visit at, with uh, um, no copayment at all. I think I'll try the latter first and see how that works. Um, there's the issue of care for all. Most standalone plans cover all members of the family for the same price as a single person. They extend that value of the benefit to the family members who may or may not be covered under the group medical plan. We know a lot of employees have not enrolled their uh, dependents because they can't afford dependent coverage. Um, offering uh, these employees a uh, uh, an unbundled plan, a standalone plan, 
that covers both the employee and the dependents for the same cost can be very, uh, very attractive. And then there's uh, some consistency. A standalone plan can be offered alongside of many different group health plans, providing some consistency in the benefits and service to the individual member. Uh, I, I look at an example of, of um, you know, clients that have, uh, uh, you know, multiple PPO plans or multiple uh, HO, open panel HMO plans, and and they say that their uh, unbundled plan is is well received because they're, they're getting the same answer consistently from these uh, providers uh, through that method. So what does the data show? The data shows that most unbundled telehealth programs provide uh, periodic reports of plan utilization. It shows the, the visits and the registrations. It shows the receipt of care, uh, whether it was done through a mobile app, through a call center or web access. It shows the claims incurred by gender, by what day of the week the claim was incurred and what time of the day. Uh, that's, that's good information to have. It shows the average time of the visit. Where do the visits come from? Uh, what state or what country or, or county or et cetera, where, you know, where, where those visits um, came from. The net claim savings compared to face-to-face -face visits. And that, that's a number that the CFOs of a lot of companies look at and say, yeah, this is good information to have because I'm not getting that information from my insurance plan. Uh, the, the fact that prescription drug scripts are written and it will show uh, that, uh, you know, the, the scripts that were written and the top prescription uh, drugs that were uh, written in the scripts, that it will provide diagnoses of the conditions and it will provide the name of the, of the provider consultant or, or specialist that, uh, that was uh, accessed. So it, it gives good data. And this data is um, uh, used by uh, certainly by larger employers who are a little more sophisticated and want to know how that money is being spent. Let's go to polling question number uh, three of four uh, as we're uh, winding down. Question number three is another term to describe an unbundled telehealth or virtual care benefit is A, is it an integrated telehealth? Is it B, coexistent? telehealth? Is it C, standalone telehealth? Or is it D, none of the above? Natalie? Yes, the poll is open and we are going to wait until we're going to give everyone a couple minutes or at least a minute or two. Okay. How are we doing for time? Looks like it's 9.48, so we're kind of, much yes. kind of on an hour here in a, in a minute, so. Yes, and there's not too, many, not too many questions have come in. We have a few, but not a lot. Okay. We're going to close it in about 30 more seconds. All right. I do have to embed some music in these, don't I? <laughs> yeah, you'll have to figure out how to help me how to embed uh, that Jeopardy theme song. I, I like it so good. <laughs> I 
know. We have to figure. We have to like figure that out. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll get together offline <laughs> to do that. I know, because you have been asking about this shepherding music for a while now. Well, you know, ever since the Department of Insurance started requiring us to ask these polling questions, I thought, well, you know, what are you going to do during a break like that? Most people get I, up and, you know, know, go to the bathroom or whatever. But you know, we we should we should at least have some nice, you know, music. Exactly. Okay. How are we doing? Okay, so I'm gonna close it, I'm gonna share it. It looks like 96% voted standalone telehealth. Very good, you guys are you guys are good. Thank you. Thank you, Natalie. No now, nor normally uh, we would have a word from our sponsor uh, who uh, in this case is Teladoc LPSU. They uh, agreed to, to sponsor this uh, course uh, last year. And unfortunately their representative was unable to be here. She is. She is on a cruise today, and I, I said, "Don't don't worry about it. Uh, we'll we'll just kind of let folks know that Teladoc is a, is a good partner, and we like working with them." Um, just just very quickly, Teladoc uh, is a is a, 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 a global virtual care leader. They've got over uh, over ten million virtual care visits in 2020 alone. Uh, they've got um, something like 52 million members worldwide uh, that they um, that they work with so a big company and they've done a great job and they've done a lot of uh, uh, acquisition uh, their growth as I as I said before uh, has been phenomenal 500% uh, growth in specialty visits uh, in 2020 which uh, corresponds with the uh, survey information that was provided by McKinsey and company uh, virtual care is uh, the better way to, to get better and stay well. They offer a, a wide variety of different services for, through the virtual care portal, general medical, mental health, nutrition, neck and back, dermatology, and, and um, specialty uh, medical services. So um, with that in mind, uh, I, we'll, we'll come to a kind of a summary and, and conclusion and then try to answer your questions. Um, as I said before, uh, I think telehealth and virtual care is here to stay. I, I didn't really think that, that you know, I, I've been in the benefits business a long time. And uh, frankly, when I first heard about telehealth and virtual care, I didn't give it a lot of credence. And then when COVID came along, it became, you know, became a real necessity for a lot of people who they couldn't get to a doctor's office, but they still needed care, especially in, in the nervous and mental and, and substance abuse areas where uh, you know, a lot of people really suffered and during uh, the, the lockdown and they needed some help. And I think virtual care uh, telehealth really uh, made a, a difference. Um, it, the surveys, you know, clearly show that both patients and providers are now accepting telehealth and virtual care as a viable uh, healthcare delivery option. And, and I, that's important. Uh, statistics show that the healthcare costs and utilization are tempered through the creation usage of these uh, effective plans. You know, not all telehealth plans uh, are the same. And as you can see from some of the information I presented, uh, you know, there's different as uh, the colors of the rainbow here. Uh, some telehealth programs are very focused on a particular need, like perhaps uh, pediatric or primary care uh, or, or nervous and mental or uh, substance abuse or, or uh, neck and back. I mean, there's just, different things that they're, you know, they're doing out there. Um, I think that the enhancement of basic telehealth services to include these other specialties, including mental health and 
wellness, nutrition, dermatology, and other things, I think helps make an attractive benefit package for workers of companies of all size. And I, you know, I mentioned this earlier and I, and I, and I want to restate it, you know, for years, employers have, have heard this story about the fact that, you know, you should have a company wellness plan. And, and um, you know, I, I've worked on wellness programs for the better part of my 42 years in this business. And to be frank with you, uh, while wellness programs are, can be very attractive to uh, large employers who have a better handle or feel for the health and, and welfare of their employees, it's not been something that small employers have been able to really um, uh, offer because they don't get any benefit from it by having reduced claim costs because they're in a small employer pool. These virtual care programs that offer uh, wellness type uh, coaching and nutrition assistance and all, they're starting to make some inroads. And some of the uh, insurance companies out there are refiling their, their plans to show you know, you can have a lower rate if you put in a, a virtual uh, wellness plan, which was, by the way, allowed under uh, the Affordable Care Act. So there are some good things that that this is doing to help our uh, premium costs uh, in our country. And then uh, finally, uh, I think I mentioned before, telehealth and virtual care plans are, are less costly than, than gap insurance and a viable option for employers who are not willing to fund an HSA or an HRA uh, type plan. So uh, let me just ask you the last of the four polling questions and uh, then we'll go to your questions. Uh, today's co-sponsor of the CE course has been A, Doctor on Demand, B, Live Health Online, uh, C, MD Live, or D, Teladoc. And if you could uh, answer that question and then we'll uh, turn over to Natalie and Natalie, uh, you can start uh, asking me questions and I'll try to answer them. No problem. The first one is, is my understanding correct that employers can offer a standalone telehealth plan to employees that are not enrolled in a medical plan? That is correct. Yep. Next question. Can you please go back to, well, actually, I'm, not, I'm pretty sure you can't do this right now, but maybe afterwards, um, the question was, can you please go back to the screen that says telehealth does not work well with, I think it said HMO medical plans? Yeah, let me, uh, That's a, and that's a good question. Thank you for asking. What, what we found, in, in, and I'll just take Kaiser as a good example, okay? Kaiser has a, a closed system. You can only see, uh, you know, members of the Permanente Medical Group. Um, and so they've, they've adopted their own telehealth program so that you drive uh, members uh, to call into uh, their own um, uh, telehealth virtual care um, uh, center, which are which are provided by you know Kaiser uh, doctors and nurses. And I and I think it's a good system. I I think for Kaiser that's been done. I think there are some other uh, closed panel type uh, HMOs out there, uh, Sutter Health being a good example, that have also developed their own type of uh, arrangement. Um, so what I would tell you is that what we see is that having a standalone uh, telehealth or virtual care program um, alongside of uh, one that's offered already by Kaiser is probably not going to be well accepted because the member is part of the Kaiser uh, arrangement and they get all their services there. Whereas people on a PPO plan who can 
both use network and non-network providers, um, tend to use these uh, standalone uh, programs better. So when we go into a group and, and, uh, and the employer says, well, I've got so many people on Kaiser and so many people on, on uh, you know, uh, a PPO plan with somebody else, to say, well, uh, we can offer, you know, telehealth to, to everybody, but Mr. Employer, um, you know, since your Kaiser people have a telehealth option within the Kaiser system, you, you probably don't need to pay for a separate deal for them. That's not to say that they can't do it if they, if they don't want to, but most employers would say, I, I, I just won't pay for it for the ones on Kaiser since they have one already. I don't, but there's no law that says that you can't do that. It's just that the practical relation, uh, the, the practical situation is, is that most people enrolled in that type of a plan won't opt for a standalone um, uh, telehealth plan. I, I hope that makes sense. It's probably too long of an answer, but that, that's how I see it. Next question. Um, it looks like that's actually all the questions that has come in so far. So I'm going to go ahead and close this poll. and. The sure. turn the time back over. Oh, go. Yeah. How how do we do on that? How 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 do we do? Eighty-eight percent voted Teladoc. Okay, good. They were listening. Well, well very good. Um, what I'll do is uh, let's turn the time back over to to Sandra, and um, uh, Sandra, I'm I'm done and uh, happy to have uh, had the opportunity to speak to your your members. Well, thank you so much, Dave. This was an incredible presentation. There was a lot of food for thought, stuff I hadn't thought of. And the fact that uh, you answered my question that this works for all size employers. A lot of us, uh, you know, have the smaller uh, groups and uh, this is a real advantage. It's something that uh, you really made it very plain and simple uh the benefits that it would be and certainly for lowering premiums because small group market those premiums are set but if the if down the road they're going to start doing that i think that's that is tremendous well there's always there's always hope for improvement in our industry right <laughs> yes exactly i i do like to see it evolve well, thank you all for joining us today. Uh, uh, and Dickerson, of course, uh, along with Teladoc, and we're very appreciative for everyone's uh, attendance. So I'll turn it back over to Nicole to close this out. Uh, yes, um, thank you everyone. Um, so once again, thank you for joining us. Um, I'm gonna post a link on this webinar, I'm sorry, to this webinar on our website within the next 24 hours. But like I said earlier in the beginning, I'm also going to send a thank you email to everyone that attended, which will include a copy of this presentation as well as a link to the recording. My name is Natalie Cole. I know I cannot sing, so please don't ask me. Um, but you will get that email within the next 24 to 48 hours. Thank you for laughing. I need to laugh. Um, so yes, um, if there's no other questions, which I don't think any have come in, thank you so much, Dave. Thank you, Sandra. And thank you everyone for joining us and have a wonderful rest of your St. Patrick's Day and great weekend. Thanks. Thank Bye, so everyone. Bye. Bye-bye.